Well, good evening to you guys, to you girls. It's good to have you joining us tonight. Uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Josh Taylor, and I am one of the pastors here at South City C3 Church. Uh, I work alongside John Thwaites and Karin DeKaiser, I think, is in here somewhere, maybe out in the foyer, um, but um, uh, also with a, a whole bunch of other amazing people. Uh, we love being, uh, being a part of this church. Uh, so we have a very exciting evening lined up for you tonight. Uh, this actually, uh, believe it or not, uh, the, the seeds of this night actually began, I think, in a meet and greet, probably like eight years ago, something like that. Um, and, and I think, and I'm trying to remember this correctly, I'm zeroing in on you here, Ben, but essentially uh, in 2014, my wife and I we were part of this three-month thing uh, up in Todonga. And at the time, Ben, you were part of YWAM, uh, and um, we were both at Kristen Williams Church. And I think, I, I'm pretty sure we shook hands at some point uh, in a meet and greet or some other space. And so, so that's where this begins. Something like six years later, I'm here in my office, and all of a sudden, up comes Ben. And this other guy, who I find out is, is Michael here, the good-looking guy in the second row here. And, um, and so they come walking up, and, and so I go, ah, oh, Ben! And um, I think we had a bit of an awkward moment where you're like, ah, Josh, yeah, Josh, yeah, good to see you, man. But, you know, it's been like six years, so I think it's, it's fair play. So, um, yeah, but anyway, um, these guys started telling us about this amazing uh, tour that they were wanting to do around New Zealand, uh, and this was in 2019. Uh, and we all know what happened at the end of 2019, uh, and so it was a bit of a bit of a spanner in the works, uh, but now it is two years later, and they are now running this national tour. Uh, and so they have been to—is it eight cities so far? Eight cities so far around New Zealand, with quite a few cities left to go. And um, and so these guys—they are out. They are sharing their faith. They're doing outreaches in the cities that they're visiting. And I, I would say, kind of the the essence of the mission of the organization is they want to. Uh, save the lost and send the saved. And so uh, what tonight is, is we wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, hear from these guys uh, in a panel sort of format. And so we're going to try to squeeze everybody onto this couch. Um, luckily, I get my own chair. And um, we're going we're, <laughs> to, we're, uh, so we're going to have these guys, they're going to come up and they're going to be sharing around this topic of reaching the lost. And so we've got some questions prepared for the first roughly half of the panel and then, as Jared had shared, we've got this, um, this Slido thing that Emma has amazingly put together for us. And if you haven't gotten it on your phone, you can put the code in there. And I think you can submit questions. You can actually upvote questions that you see. Uh, so that's kind of cool. So if you see somebody's already kind of asking something similarly, you can just upvote that. Um, yeah, so, so I encourage you to uh, send in your questions to that, and we'll, um, we'll be referring those over to the panel. But without further ado, I would love it if you guys could give a very warm welcome to our panelists tonight as I invite them to come now and join me on the stage. Late to the party. <laughs> you guys comfortable? Cool. Cool. All right. <laughs> 
Yeah, so these guys have been uh, it's how how many people are crammed in this van that you guys are driving around in right now? All right, true. Oh, okay. No comment. I think there's a ten seats and we've got ten. So it's okay. Pretty packed with all our bags as well. Yeah. So everybody's got their their suitcase on their lap, kind of thing. A couple of guitars too. Yeah. Oh, true. Yep. Balance on our heads. Ah, uh, yes. Yep. Nice. Nice. That's the way. Well, cool. Well, thank you guys for joining me on the stage. Um, so I thought tonight we could uh, just start since we're we're just sort of getting to to know you guys for the very first time. Thought we could start with uh, an icebreaker question, and so um, I'm wondering if you can one by one tell us your name. Uh, tell us where you grew up, and what's the worst meal you've ever had in your life? Wow. You get to start like, I guess I can start. Yeah, my name's Michael. Um, yeah, grew up in the Eastern Bay. Uh, you might have to um, you might have to turn your mics on. A little red button on the on the bottom for all of yours, and you guys can. Absolutely. Can you guys hear me? Awesome. Well, yeah, my name's Michael. Um, grew up in the Eastern Bay in Auckland. <laughs> Um, same same little church as Biggie Tucky. Got it. Um, but now I actually hail at a C three church in the eastern suburbs in Auckland, too, which I love. Um, worst meal probably on my YRM outreach in Africa. Mm. Wasn't just once, but like every second night. Just got these little fish things, and there was like no meat on them. It was just all bone. And you're just like picking for ages for like no food. Um, Extra same, crunchy. Same rice. Yeah. <laughs> Average. Awesome. Cool. Uh, my name's Ben and grew up in Wellington, Tower, Wellington. Oh, come on. Come on. Let's chat. And uh, yeah, so uh, I can't remember the other questions, but worst meal was, uh, it's probably probably even, my mum's Thai fish cakes. She made these Thai, they were so gross. Not even my dad could eat them. And then the second one was uh, actually our translator in Cambodia gave us dog meat. And that was pretty gross. So yeah, yeah. Did you did you know it was dog meat going in? Yeah, he told us. Oh, yeah. After we ate it. All right. Maybe that's maybe that's for the best. Yeah. All right. Hi everyone. I'm Miriam. Um, I grew up in a small town called Wilkworth. It's just north of Auckland. Um, and my worst meal, similar to Michael, was when I was over in Africa for a bit, and we had beans and rice for like three weeks straight. But the worst part was that you would be eating it and there would be like little stones you just find in the meal. Um, and so it was like, okay, <laughs> just took that one out uh, for three weeks straight. So, Was that just like part of the seasoning, do you think? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Vitamins. Minerals. Um, hi, my name is Elia. I grew up in a tiny, tiny town up north called Tahana. Um, and my worst meal, like these guys, was on Outreach, um, where a hospital had donated us food. And it was um, like a capsicum cut in half um, with um, couscous in it. But it looked amazing. The only thing is that someone had obviously sprayed disinfectant. Like, yeah, so we, <laughs> we, <laughs> we had been donated this. And we ate it. And we were like, mm! And then our whole team, one by one, went and flushed them down the toilet because oh. <laughs> it was that bad. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that bad. Oh man, that's rough. That's rough. Well, that's uh, thanks for the thanks for the the intro on on that stuff. Those are solid options. It, it was funny when we were coming up with these questions. My wife asked, she's like, "What would you say?" 
And I was thinking it was actually a meal that I made trying to impress Sarah for a first date. Um, apparently cloves of garlic. I didn't realize at the time that it was actually like the little pieces. I thought it was the bulb itself. So when it called for three cloves, chucked in three bulbs. And um, yeah, you could smell me from three Ks off. Wasn't a good time, but still got the girl. We are married, so that was good. That was good. <laughs> cool. Well, um, I'm just wondering, so so if you guys could just each give me a minute or so on, on just sort of how you personally got involved with Catalyst and um, what you are sort of most excited about with the, the work that you're doing with Catalyst. That's a good question. Uh, so my wife and I got involved by um, starting it. And yeah, we've, yeah, we've been involved ever since. And uh, Michael hasn't fired me yet, so it's good. And uh, yeah, just just love it. Like it's just you know, there's there's never a regret in saying yes to the call of God and saying yes to Jesus. And and we, me and my wife, make our decisions by you know we're going to see Jesus face to face one day. And what do we want to look back and see? You know, and and uh, when we see him on that day, it'll all be worth it in the end. So yeah, it's good stuff. Jump in. Um, kind of well, got, got involved, I guess, through Ben um, and a mutual kind of leader for us. This guy Bob Scroggins who used to lead YWAM things in New Zealand. Um, just had known Ben, and when I was still in university, they used to run some YWAM university kind of trainings that I got involved with, and just so resonated with Ben's heart and some of the others talking about Catalyst's heart for action and seeing um, people actually reach um, all across New Zealand and, and putting kind of feet to what they were saying and, you know, traveling around the nation. And I guess that's what really excites me too, doing tours like this. But um, seeing for the future, like seeing every single Kiwi hear the gospel, seeing every city and town reached by young people and Kiwis on mission to towns around wherever they live. Um, I'm just excited to hear, see the nation be reached by Jesus and the gospel. It's good stuff. Cool. Well, um, I got to know, um, I actually met Ben in Germany. Um, heard Kiwi accents and you kind of just clump together so um, I had a chat and then uh, when Ben moved up to Auckland to be obedient um, he invited me uh, to come and pray with them and whenever they would do youth stuff I think I jumped in and then um, eventually uh, he asked me to pray about being involved in the team and doing youth stuff and I said yes Oh, and I'm most excited uh, about uh, seeing young people, youth, uh, make their faith their own and do the exact same thing of going out and evangelizing and reaching youth, reaching youth and owning their Come faith. On. That's what I'm really excited about. It's good stuff. Um, so I just joined the team this year. So it's still quite fresh and new. Um, but I, yeah, I've been doing stuff with Catalyst for a few years and um, I don't know, I just, for me, it was like the heart of these people that I like get to work with now, um, and just seeing how passionate they are about God, but also about um, cities and towns, and actually just like fully living their faith um, wholeheartedly, and so I think my, my heart is also just to see, kind of like Elia, but to see Christians living their faith out, like for themselves, but like actually... I don't know, like doing something with it, not just having a passive faith, but actually like sharing with about it and like making it simple and mm-hmm. making it easy and making it every day. And that it doesn't have to be like weird and it's not just for those specific evangelists or anything, but it's something that we're all called to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, man. And something so needed. 
uh, in, in New Zealand today. So it's really good stuff, guys. So <clears throat> as we said earlier, you've been to eight cities so far. I uh, haven't quite reached the halfway point of the, the tour, which means still got all these other places to come. Uh, but I'm just curious, like, do you guys have any cool stories, cool testimonies of sort of how you've been seeing God moving so far on this tour? It sounds like you already got one lines up. Yeah, cool. Do you want to share, Miriam? Sure, I'll go for it. Um, yeah, we have heaps of amazing testimonies, but I'll just share one from um, Topol. So we, um, yeah, we were just in Topol for like kind of one day, one night, um, and the team was going to get some food because we need to eat. <laughs> um, so we're in the burger shop, and one of our awesome teammates, Jess, she's down there in the yellow, um, <laughs> she, yeah, we are just ordering some burgers and like waiting, and she ended up um, talking with these two guys at the table, um, started a conversation with them, real casual, and then basically like led the conversation to God, and like shared the gospel with them really like simply, um, was like, hey, like, do you guys want to follow Jesus? Like, do you want to be forgiven of your sins and they were like yeah like we actually do um, now, so like, I'm, okay. I'm curious did, did that surprise you in the moment or um, like that they were so receptive or I have you like seen a little bit yeah because it was just a normal conversation in a burger shop yeah so it's kind of like okay um but they were so genuine like wow. they were just like no we actually want to give our lives to god um so they like prayed with them gave them the new testament um and apparently like just before we'd walked in they were talking about how they didn't like the way that they were living their lives and like <laughs> they were going on this path for themselves and they're like man we need to change like we need to do better and then these guys walk in tell them about Jesus and it was just amazing such a divine appointment wow so, so good and it sounds like God sort of was doing some of the the, the lead up work to prepare the the soil of their hearts it's so good there's a little there's a little bit extra to that um so the next morning we did like a an outreach in Topol and we met with uh, a girl who was an intern at one of the churches, and we were sharing the testimony. Um, and she's like, oh, like, what were their names? Because Topol is quite small. Um, and so she um, just showed, shared the names, and she was like, no way. She's like, I've been praying for those two guys for like a year that they would come to know Jesus. And so she was like so excited. She was like jumping up and down. She's like, I'm going to message them. I'm going to take them to church. And like, it's going to be so good. So, yeah. Wow. So prayer total works. Total shit up. Yeah. So good. So good. Well, they should like given a hundred dollar study Bible to one of them. And there was a lot more history there too. Eh? Like she was so excited. It was so cool to see. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I could share like probably like so many highlights just in, I think two and a half weeks, we have like a loose track of numbers. We probably had like a thousand conversations with people as a wider group across some of these cities. It's been wild. And probably one of my favorite times was at the start when we were in Hamilton and we did this like skate park barbecue outreach and just spent like four or five hours there with a bunch of different believers and um, church leaders and yeah just so many incredible conversations and I think through that time like six or seven people made some sort of commitment or wanted to give their lives to Jesus not in some weird salvation prayer way but like genuine like wanting to and um, want to go to church and stuff and there was one I was with one of our guys called Matthew who's not with us Um, he's gone back home um, finished his kind of stint of, of tour that he was doing and talking to a young guy who had dislocated his shoulder a couple of weeks before. Mm. And it was pretty painful when he had like a real um, kind of small range of motion. And so Matthew's like, yo, can we, can we pray for your shoulder? Um, so I prayed once, just real simple prayer, like healing in Jesus' name. And he tested it out. And like his range of motion like literally doubled. 
And Whoa. he said, man, it's not as painful as well. And his face was kind of like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> but he was still kind of like, is this just like a placebo thing? I don't know. So we're like, let's pray one more time. Um, so we prayed again. And yeah, genuinely, like from there, it was completely healed. Wow. Like, this dude's doing like full, like freestyle motion, like full range of motion, no pain. And we're all sitting there like, Whoa, like, let's go, God. This is amazing. And so I think, yeah, 18-year-old guy just blew his mind. So he's sitting there like, like, what is this? Like, what just happened? Um, wow. So we shared the gospel. Um, in response to that, he's like, yes, that all makes sense. Like, I, I believe that. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I accept that he died for me and, and so on. Um, and then we prayed for him and prayed that the Holy Spirit would fill him, just, like, encourage him, shared some prophetic words. Um, so, yeah, just... So many cool small moments like that so far. So, so I'm curious, like in that moment, sort of you're, you're praying for this guy's shoulder. Did you feel the fire of heaven filling you in that moment? Did you feel like this, the, like, like the light that knocked Saul off his donkey? Was that the case? Or did it feel pretty like just... Uh, I, I just felt the sunburn slowly getting into my <laughs> face. I was, I was a little tired. Like it felt literally nothing. It was just a normal conversation. And we just stepped out in a bit of extra faith just to pray for him felt so normal and then God just intervened. Wow. So you don't have to feel crazy feelings to pray for the sick, do you? You can just open your mouth, yep. put a hand on somebody. Exactly. No special anointing or like... Yeah. Although maybe you need to be sunburned first to pray for the sick. So maybe you need to be sunburned first. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's the trick. Yeah. yeah. Have to do a couple more tests to just <laughs> see, uh, rule that out. Yeah. What about you, Ben? Awesome. Yeah, uh, I think a testimony for me, I haven't been on the whole tour, um, but uh, when we were in Palmerston North, we were doing this worship and prayer night with a bunch of young people from across the city. It was really powerful. And um, afterwards, actually, I think it was Jess and this lady came up and shared this story. And so this lady, I can't can't remember her name, but um, she was going to spend the night in the church car park in her car with her kitten. And because her boyfriend had broken up with her and, you know, she really had no place to stay. So for some reason she thought, I'll just go to this particular church and sleep in the car park there. And as she was getting ready to spend the night in her car, she noticed the jug was on in the in church so she could see through the window. So she thought, oh, someone must be in there. So she knocked on the door. It opened up for her. Uh, this, this girl opened it up for her and, and she said, I'll come to the auditorium. And so this lady who, you know, was just in such a, a distraught place and, and really, you know, kind of hopeless and, and really no options in life. And she comes and sits in the back corner and uh, Jess hears the, uh, Jesus really, eh, just say, go and sit next to that lady, not knowing her story, not knowing whether she was a believer or not or anything, just go and sit next to her and hug her. And so, yeah, Jess does it, simple obedience, guys. And uh, Jess gives her a hug. Uh, and uh, the lady just starts weeping all over, you know, just crying and, and, and sharing everything that she's going through and, you know, just bringing kind of all the internal stress and anxiety and bringing it out in that place. And, uh, yeah, and then anyway, I, what I loved is that the next morning she turned up to evangelism training and, and she got taught on how to share her testimony of what God had just done the oh, night before. Wow. And uh, she came out and did some outreach with us and, and it was really, really powerful. So, yeah, I love I love that. It's, it's so cool. Man, that's a, that's a great way to grow your team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, man, yeah. so good. So powerful. What about you, Elia? Well, I arrived last night. So, but I actually do have one. Something really cool happened today. Oh, um, cool. I, we served at um, 
this church we were able to share um, with their youth group uh, in around lunchtime today. And I, at the end, it had all wrapped up and I went to the bathroom and I was walking back out of the room that we were in and this dude had just sat down to like fiddle with the bass guitar. And I walked out of the room and I was like, oh, you know when you hear God say something but you're like not sure and you like sit with that tension? I was like, oh, that's where I was. And he, I was like, the story of David was going through my head of how he ended up um, uh, with his instrument just he got invited into the kingdom, right? Because, and he like brought peace to the king by playing his instrument. And this word just came into my head around it. And I was like, oh, okay. And we were like, and Michael looked at me and he's like, you ready to go? I was like, yeah, one minute. Like, and then (laughs) went back and I just said to him, I was like, hey, um, what's your name? And he goes, oh, my name's David. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, okay, yeah, this is for you. Um, and it was a really awesome moment. It was really touched. That was cool. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. So one day in, cool stuff's already happening. Yeah, because God's cool. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Oh, man, that's really cool. And I'm sure we're just like just scratching the surface of some of the cool stuff that's been happening across the uh, across cities that you guys have been visiting so far. So um, so I'm curious, like with with, so you're stepping out, you're, uh, praying for people, you're seeing people come to the faith. Um, like to, uh, I think like, uh, so I remember as a young person hearing testimonies uh, of people sharing like that and thinking to myself, oh man, maybe in like 10 years or 15 years, I would be able to sort of work my way up to that. Uh, and so I guess I'm just, I'm just wondering what's sort of been your personal journey with evangelism? And sort of how did you how did you start, and then how did you kind of make your way to this space where you're on this tour, you're sharing your faith, and you're seeing these amazing moves of God happening? I guess I could start with that. Um, growing up at my youth group, we had quite a few like y- uh, leaders that had done YWAM or Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry. I remember one time I was like, you're 11 maybe. Um, one of the guys came back from Bethel and he talked about this idea of doing these treasure hunts and like asking God for words and then going out and doing outreach and finding these treasures, um, if you know what I mean. And real specifically, we felt led to Mission Bay in Auckland, found this specific person with the right appearance, um, go up to him and can imagine me like a timid kind of teenager, not sure about all this. And his, his name's on my list of like three names I'd written down. Oh, wow. And he had a real bad ankle. He was limping, which was like, it all aligned across our two like short lists. And we're just like, whoa. And the guy's blown away too. Prayed for his ankle, got healed. And then my friend starts like prophesying over him. He starts crying. And I'm just like, what the heck is going on right now? Like <laughs> God's using us like crazy. Um, and then I guess just over the years from there, um, just had a great bunch of people around me um, and just kept going for it. But seeing, mm. like I was always quite a shy kid but like as god continued to meet us in our obedience and stepping out in faith i just saw the value in it honestly mm. and i love um like this guy ben fitzgerald does lots of this evangelism stuff and he'll share like if you're passionate about it like you'll do it like you know people are passionate about their coffee and you might be super introverted but if you're at the cafe and they get your order wrong or they forget the sugars like you're going to boldly go back up and be like yo what's up um you missed this so if you're passionate about Jesus, like, and Jesus says something for someone, then why not boldly go and share with them? You know, mm. like it's just simple everyday conversations, which we can all have, like, honestly. Yeah. And I've just seen God faithfully move like time and time again. So it's yeah. built into this history of 
just sending it. Yeah, Go for cool, it. cool. That's good, Michael. Thanks. Yeah, um, so I'm yeah more of a naturally introverted personality, and uh, but after I got saved, I think within two weeks was was sharing Jesus with my workmates and and leading them to Christ and everything, and and oh, it nice just one. simply came out of that place of man, I've tasted and seen how good God is, and. And for me, my, my journey of evangelism has always started back at that place, making sure my passion for Jesus is growing and or, you know, it's not dying, that, that um, I'm, I'm loving him and he's my first love and, and everything like that. So it's always been my first goal has been to sustain that fire in, in myself. And then, um, yeah, but I always remember going to my dad and just saying, Dad, I want to share the gospel with people on the streets. And he's like, okay, cool. And he just went full deep in. So he hired a microphone and an amp and got, he, he's like a wild evangelist and then got one of his crazy evangelist friends and, and those two took me out to Manor's Mall in Wellington, which before was a bus lane, was filled with gang members and druggies and Satanists and everything. And it was, and dad said, you've, uh, you have six days to prepare a sermon and uh, you're going to share it. I was like, okay. I just went for it. I was like, sweet, let's do it. And uh, I just saw it as an opportunity to grow and step out of my comfort zone and, and you know, and I was like, sweet, let's go. And so I prepared this five-minute sermon on death and it was super morbid and bad. Um, <laughs> but then, then by the kind of the third time I got up on, on the microphone that night, I uh, could just feel this like flow of, of my testimony and the gospel coming out. Mm. And it was really just God, you know, and, and I was, yeah, and then... Uh, it's just been 13 years, really, of, of sustaining and valuing this thing. And, you know, like life gets busy. Um, you know, I have two kids. I have, I have a wife and lead catalyst, and there's all these other things. And, and uh, But I, I just make sure that most weekdays I schedule in at least 30 minutes. So I, it's actually on my schedule of um, times where I'll, I'll just walk around and, and just say, Lord, who do you want me to talk to? Mm. Because if I don't schedule it in, I, I just don't do it. And mm. it's not that I don't value it. It's just that um, I'm such a structured, compartmentalized kind of dude. So I, I, that's sustained me over these 13 years as, as well as that, just making sure it's, it's on my schedule mm. and I'm going to walk around and, and, yeah. And then there's those on-the-way moments too. So, yeah, but always starting with that relationship with God. That's that's always been the key for me. Mm, yep. mm. And it sounds like you've really like maintained like an intentionality to I'm gonna just keep stoking the fire of this thing. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um for me, I ended up like I was always had a heart for missions. Um from a young age, I was like, I'm gonna be a teacher in Africa, that's what I'm gonna do. Um and I did end up going to Africa, it was amazing. Um but I was really challenged by God. Um as I was like living this missionary life, as to like, I'm overseas, I'm in a third world country, and I'm like, this is my job, to like pray for people and to talk about Jesus. But then when I come home, or if I come home, like, there's nothing, you know? <laughs> like, how can I be this one thing over there and like, nothing here? Um, and so when I ended up coming home, God really challenged me. He said, I want you to learn how to do missions in New Zealand before you ever go back overseas. And I had no idea what that meant or what that looked like um, until I met these guys. Um, and I think a big thing from what you said about like, or oh, maybe in 10 years or in 15 years, because I mean, I've definitely felt that of like, oh, I'm still young. I don't know that much and everything. But my big thing is like, well, if not me, then like, who's going to do it? Mm. You know, <laughs> like we always think, oh, like, no, someone else will reach that person or someone else will go pray for them. Like it doesn't need to be me, but I'm like, 
no, like, why not me, you know? We can actually just step up and do it. Um, and I think, like, God is raising a younger generation, and he's like, it's actually your guys' time. Like, yeah. you mm. need to step up now. Like, we're getting to that age. And so, yeah, just got to do it. Yeah, so good. Thanks, Miriam. Uh, mine was I just my favorite time of the week was youth group and like running like helping lead youth group and being at church and I was working in a cafe and I just got really bored um because Jesus is cool and fun and um so I started to try and evangelize and work through relationships I was working in a cafe making people coffee and stuff and God really moved in that area um but I was really changed but and so I did everything really relationally and just asked God to like bring it out Um, And that's really good, but there's so much more than that. Like, that's just something that all of us should do. Um, And so I remember someone once said to me, um, fear is not from God, blanket statement. Fear is not from God. Mm. And the only reason that I wasn't actually going out of my way to talk to people was because I was afraid of what they were going to think of me. Um, Or like I was aware to misrepresent Jesus. It was just all fear. Every single excuse, no matter what it looked like, it was fear-based. And so someone said to me, fear is not from God. It says that in the Bible. So whenever you look at someone and you think you should tell them about Jesus and you experience fear, walk in the opposite spirit and do it. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I started doing it. And I started seeing people get healed and get impacted and all of those kind of things. And so then I started sniffing out the spirit of fear and being like, I'm afraid. Okay, what do I need to do? Like, <laughs> yeah. Mm. So that's, that was over many years, though. But, and I'm still there. But, yeah. Yeah, cool. It's really cool, guys. Yeah. Can I add something? Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. of course. Um, definitely a key as well is finding finding the way that God made you to do it. Like we so box evangelism into going up to random strangers on the street. And although, yes, that is powerful and, you know, we do it as catalysts because it's such a good way to let's just go deep in together, right? Like let's just go. And, um, and it is really, really good and powerful, but it's also so key to find your way that God's created you to do it. And, you know, if you're like a musician, you know, writing the gospel into songs and singing them or just whatever it looks like, you know, really getting creative about it um, because, yeah, I find that that way will bring you life and that will that will sustain it for you. Mm. So it's not looking at like, although, yeah, there's legends like obviously Todd White and, um, you know, other like Reinhard Bonnke and just so many incredible evangelists out there, Michael Jenkins. Um, <laughs> but it, it's and it's good to learn and it's good to, to always, I believe, step out on the promptings no matter where you are, but also really um, value it enough to find your way of sharing the gospel that's unique to you. So, mm, yeah. yeah, that's good stuff. That's real good stuff. So, I think like the the common sort of thread in all of it is is sort of if you want to see God use you, if you want to see God move, you've got to just kind of step out of your comfort zone, eh? So, speaking of stepping out of your comfort zone, so we'll we'll just do one more of of these questions before we jump on to to the questions that people are are sending in. But uh, and maybe maybe just one or two of you can can speak into this. But uh, in your opinion, what do you think are some of the most common hurdles that people need to overcome to share their faith with others? And in your opinion, how do you overcome those? I guess Alia mentioned fear is really like the biggie and um, the opposite of fear is love. And so like yeah. constantly for myself praying, God, give me a heart for this person right in front of me. Um, if we're going and doing some street outreach, give me a heart for 
this community, give me a heart for this colleague at work or wherever. So asking for that. I think a big thing for me is like fear of rejection. Like mm. I think not just as Kiwis, but everyone hates being rejected. We want to be accepted and loved. Sure. Um, so that's a huge thing. And I think for me, it's just been building like a history of like, who cares? <laughs> like so many people, unless if it's outside of a relational aspect, like as Ben mentioned, it's so key to find your way and it's, it's key in, at work and other places to be intentional and to, to care. But sometimes if you're out in the supermarket or wherever you're at in your day-to-day setting, you might not ever see that person again. And, and who really cares? Mm. Like, like it's maybe one or two percent you get like rejection or a bad kind of comment. And even still, we've heard so many cool testimonies of those people that reject you. Like God convicts them, works in their heart, like mm. and does something through it. Like it's always positive. Like the love of Jesus, sharing Jesus is always positive. It's like light invading darkness. Like, mm. so we just got to send it and who cares if I get rejected? Yeah, just, cool. just laugh it off. Just have a like easygoing attitude has been a big thing for me, I think. Hey, and having fun, like, bro, that, that guy told me to this, this, and this. And it was kind of crack up, but yeah. Yeah. And we're like, good work, man. Like, let's go. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. Cool. Bro. Cool. And, and I like, Oh, Oh, sorry. I just have a tiny yeah. little one. Yeah. Go just for it. Go for something it. that I, I think I've dealt with during this tour mm. is like, especially if you're um, approaching strangers, this idea of like, oh, but I'm like disturbing their day or like what they're like, they've got a plan and they're going here or they're doing this. Um, and so like that weird thing of like trying to kind of get in there. But um, again, I think it's just that idea of like, it's only going to be maybe like a minute or two minutes and you don't know where that person is at and you don't know what they're going through. And so it may actually be exactly what they need in that moment. Mm. Um, and so just like, again, stepping over that line of like, not yeah, not thinking about it as like disturbing them, but as like I'm just actually sharing the word that God has given me, or like telling you that He loves you, or whatever yeah you feel to tell them or share the gospel, um, and like just being aware, not holding them up for 15 minutes because mm. that's not the best sometimes. Yeah, and and I think as well like with some of the stories that you guys have shared, that's so cool. Is is you go and you you speak to this person and you you share your faith. And there's this real clear, clear picture that that God has been preparing their hearts, uh, and so there's almost a uh, what we're doing when we're sharing our faith. It's a partnership with heaven, isn't it? It's not just us going out there fighting in the trenches. And and I love like what you said about like like you you go to God and you say, "Give me your heart for this person." So it's not something we're trying to do in our sort of our own strength, but but we're constantly coming before the the man of love and asking him to give us love for the people he loves so much. Cool. Well, so, um, so there's a great question that, that somebody sent in. I love this cause it's, it's really practical. Uh, they said, do you have any opening lines that you use to start a conversation about God with strangers? So what's your, what's your intro strategy? I don't know, uh, like, it's different for every conversation. Like, I don't have one line that I use with everyone because it's not going to work with everyone. But um, definitely one of our team members would say that, like, compliments is a really good way mm-hmm. to start a conversation. Um, and so, yeah, like, even if you're just like, hey, like, that ja- like jacket looks so good on you just right now. Like, that color is so cool. And then you're just like, I don't know, the conversation just flows. And then, I don't know, you bring Jesus into that somehow by, like, it's a really good icebreaker, like way to start. You're not going straight and being like, "Do you know Jesus?" Like, because yeah. they probably 
not necessarily going to respond to that. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Because like I often love just getting like straight to the point and being intentional. Yeah. I don't want to have like awkward small talk for like five minutes and try and weave <laughs> Jesus into it. I often, if God's highlighting someone, I'll just be like, hey, I felt like to encourage you that God loves you so much or Jesus loves you so much and often go from there. And I guess a key question as well that I'll hit on to like lead into the gospel will be like, hey, what do you think happens after you die? Mm. And just see them kind of think about that. And I guess that leads into Jesus. Like, those are probably two key things I mm. stick to often. Um, yeah, I think I'm pretty different <laughs> um, from that. I, I yeah, often will go compliments or I find asking a question is really good. So um, because there's this thing called accidental, um, oh, I can't remember the word, never mind. Um, but like, you know, if I ask you, hey, how are you? You go, oh, yeah, like I'm good, thanks. And then you go, how about you? <laughs> Because it's like trained into us. So um, I'll go in and ask a question and it could be something like, hey, I really like those shoes. Compliment. Where did you get them? And then you start that conversation and then usually people feel like, oh, yeah, but I like your shoes too. Like, you know, like and and so just naturally start the conversation from there. Mm. And then what do you do for work? And then they ask me and I go, I'm a missionary. And yeah. <laughs> so then you have to talk yeah, about yeah, it. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, cool. Same thing happens to us at airports all the time. Sorry? Same thing happens to us since we work for a church yeah. at airports and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, cool. Uh, what do you do when people are fixated on issues with church or opinions on things like sin rather than Jesus? So, so the, I know you said it was. it's not a huge number of people, but there are some who have a maybe a quite a strong negative reaction. So how do you navigate that? And what's, what's sort of your approach? That's a very good question. Um, Personally, I can only speak from experience is when that does happen. And I mean, if someone brings that stuff up, I'm always trying to discern, like, is this just an excuse? You know, like, is someone kind of just putting up a bit of a facade to, to try and avoid subject or have an excuse not to come to Christ. But generally, I, I will um, always point it back to Jesus and say, man, but when I read about Jesus in the Bible, uh, I, I see as this guy who perfectly loved everyone. He loved, you know, uh, regardless of race or gender or whatever it was, Jesus was just such a loving guy. And I'll always try and point them away from, you know, the Christian that maybe did something dumb, which we all do. And, uh, you know, but, and try to point them back to, but this is who God is. This is what God does. And, and, um, yeah, and that's kind of generally what I personally do. Cool. Um, but also I will, sometimes I'll be like, well, look, I'm, I, I'm actually, I'm really sorry that that happened to you, you know? Mm. And, and I, I actually, on behalf of people, you know, who love Jesus, I just want to uh, ask for your forgiveness, you know? And, wow. and, uh, that can sometimes really put people be like what you know and and just coming in that humility going would you would you forgive us as christians for that moment in youth group or whatever it was or at your christian school so yeah so those would be the two things i would try and do yeah, yeah. cool yeah cool cool well this one is uh what do you think makes evangelism difficult in new zealand compared to developing uh countries uh, how do we or should we alter the way that we evangelize to address that? 
Okay. Um, I think like that's a very valid question, but I also think that um, evangelism in New Zealand isn't as difficult as we think. Um, (laughs) Like, yeah, it's just something that I've noticed. I mean, yeah, having been in other countries and having done it in third world countries, yes, it is easier. People are a lot more open to prayer and things like that. I think partly that is because those nations um, acknowledge the spiritual world like a lot more. Uh, So they're like, yeah, sure, you can pray for me. (laughs) Like, go for it. Um, Whereas here, you know, we are a lot more kind of, we, we try to deny spiritual things and we kind of, we're very logic-based and um, reason-based. But I also think, like I said before, it's not as hard as we think. Mm. Like I, if every person here actually went out and tried to have a conversation about Jesus, I think you would be surprised at the reception that you would get, depending on, like, obviously how you did it and who you spoke to. But I know, like, for myself, I've been like, no one in New Zealand wants to hear about Jesus. Like, mm. <laughs> they're just going to ridicule us. They're just going to, you know, reject us. But... Honestly, I, I personally have been so surprised yeah. at how like receptive people are, how like searching and seeking they are for truth and for Jesus. Um, and so, yes, it's difficult, but also no, it's not difficult. And mm. there are so many people who need to hear the gospel. Yeah, so good. Can I add onto that? Just yeah. Um, so I I fully agree. Um, and I think a lot of it is because we, when it always feels easier when you go to another nation because you don't have the perspective that that nation's grown up with, right? That's also how things like colonization happen. But, um, um, but when you, the only thing that needs to change is your perspective, right? Getting a heavenly perspective. Because in New Zealand, we've grown up under things like tall poppy syndrome and we've grown up and that's why it feels really hard, right? Mm. But when you go to another nation and they don't have tall poppy syndrome, it feels easier. Mm. But it's actually, the, the enemy's got stuff he's, he's, he's trying different strategies all over the place. And I think the only thing is that if we, if, when we get to Jesus and like Michael says, like, give me this heart, give me your heart for this person. What do you love about this person? We get out the heavenly perspective and it becomes easier. So, yeah, I think it's just a perspective that's different. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. Definitely. If I could add as well, like, I guess some specific things with Kiwis mm. is we sniff, like we're very authentic and we sniff out like inauthenticity mm. quite well. Um, there's also often quite a lot of apathy we come against. Yeah. And yeah, especially have a lot of chats with dudes, just a lot of like avoiding vulnerable topics and like don't want to go there, but on a deeper level, people are so open to it. Mm. So I think for me, um, it's just being genuine and Mm. real and not holding back. Like if God encounters you at church on Sunday and Monday, your mates are like, or workmates like, how was your weekend? Like, don't hold back. Just be honest. Like, man, I had this radical encounter with God. It changed my heart. Just be vulnerable and real. Mm. And I think, like, as the girls were saying, it's it's not that hard. Like, again, if God's put someone in your heart, he's spoken specifically, it's like that light invading darkness. You just got to go for it Mm. and be mindful of those um, special things about Kiwis. But, yeah, don't let it be an excuse. Just just go for it. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Yeah, it makes me think of, uh, I mean, when Jesus said, uh, truly the harvest is plentiful. Like the, the the fields are white. There's just not enough people out there. But if there were more people, we could get more of this harvest in. It's true. He was speaking that for all time, wasn't he? Yeah. 
and often there's almost a, a myth, and it's probably, I guess, it's the, the enemy tries to, to get us to believe that it's this impossible monumental thing when really the collective experience of you guys' stories is really just, if you just step out a little bit, you'd be amazed at what God will do uh, with your little reach. So that's good stuff. Um, so um, we'll probably do one or two more. Uh, but we've got we've got a number of questions about sort of what's what's your approach and and then probably how you'd advise anybody that's wanting to like step out and grow in this um, to like the follow up process or like so let's say I go out today I share my faith somebody gets saved uh, how what's my next step with plugging them in and and sort of what 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 do you guys do? I could say, um, yeah, so we represent, like the touring team, there's 19 of us, represent like 15 or 16 different churches, mm. um, and we're traveling around away from home often, and so we recognize that we are not the ones to follow up specifically and relationally walk with these guys. Mm. So, yeah, the main way of follow-up is often local churches, like getting them planted into local churches, connected in with local believers, and so especially in this tour, in each place that we've been, we're very intentional to connect with local churches. But actually, as we do outreaches, we yeah, do training with local believers and go out with them. And we'll always pair with them too. And so if a great conversation's had, it's, yes, we'll be there in present, but it's always, we are intentional to put it on the locals to follow up and be yeah. intentional. And if there's no one with us, we'll be intentional to find a local church, um, mm. give them details and try and pass it off as best as we can. So cool. I think it's, it's super important to be intentional because, um, I don't know, what is this, the parable of the sower? Like, um, some seeds could go in, and actually you could see fruit in the moment, but if there's not the right soil there, or if you don't place that seed into the right place, it could very easily get taken away, you know? So mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's, it's crucial to follow up well. Yeah. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's just a one-off blip in someone's life that they yeah. might forget. Yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, cool. Cool. Thanks for that, guys. So probably... Um, Probably just do one more question. Um, so people say, people sometimes misquote St. Francis, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. What do you say about this sort of approach to preaching the gospel? It's wrong and unbiblical. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I just, I, I, yeah, I remember first hearing that quote and going, that man, this sounds so good on the surface. And, and I get what they mean and I get what they're trying to say. But at the same time, you know, there's always like scriptures like Romans chapter 10, which says if they, if they how can they believe unless they hear? Mm. How can they hear unless someone tells them, you know? Mm. And, and so I look at like the Bible and go, man, and I look at the book of Acts even and go, how much did they proclaim the gospel? Like it says that they filled the city of Jerusalem with the word of God, the teaching of Jesus. Mm. And time and time again, especially in the early chapters of, of, the, of the book of Acts, you see, um, you just see the, the, the council, the like the authorities of the city trying to shut down the proclamation of Jesus. And mm. so I, there's always warfare on your voice. There's always warfare on, on talking about Jesus because um, Romans one sixteen says the gospel is the power of God into salvation. Mm. Um, so it's it's like the enemy wants to shut down proclamation of the gospel any way he can, 
And it's not so much about how eloquent the gospel is presented or how many smoke machines you have or anything. It's just that the gospel is presented <laughs> and uh, in any way, shape or form, doesn't matter. Like I love, I love this quote. Here's a quote to kind of that quote. My way of doing evangelism is better than your way of not doing it. So it's, 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 I just love that because we so often like point fingers, oh, your way sucks or, you know, how could you, like, you can't preach Jesus on the streets, you're putting people, but it's like, well, you know, yeah, like doing evangelism is, it's, it's good no matter what. And um, so I think, yeah, talk about Jesus as much as you can, really. Yeah. Yep. Cool. I think it's pretty clear in the Great Commission, like mm. go and preach the gospel and make disciples and making disciples means preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel, that you can't make disciples apart from the gospel. Like it's very clear in that great commission that Jesus left left us with. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, true. And just in saying that, like, I think there is obviously truth in that quote and that like the way that we live our lives is really important. And it does speak very loud. Like if you're in your work setting or your, your college or wherever you are, like the way that you live your life is important and it will speak about Jesus um, and so we have to also make sure that what we're like speaking and what we're preaching lines up with how we live our life as well. Like it needs to be both and not like one or the other, but yeah, we do have to proclaim. We can't just live. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to toss in one more question. Um, and then, and then maybe, um, we'll just close with any final kind of thoughts or encouragements that you guys might, might have. But, um, so let's say, uh, so obviously you guys, you, you've kind of set aside some time to do this, this tour, the focus of it, the, the purpose of it is evangelism. Um, for many of us here, maybe our primary mission field is going to be our workplace. Uh, that's where we're going to be most kind of surrounded by uh, non-believers. Um, what, what do you think it looks like to, to, and just bearing in mind like this, this, this quote, this idea of like letting your life speak, um, but maybe not being limited to that. You need to open your mouth. You need to share your faith. Like how how do you think somebody would best go about uh, bringing their faith into their workplaces, understanding sort of the, the dynamics and that it might not always be received well? I can speak on this because that's how I started. Mm. Um, I used to bring a Bible into work in the cafe and I'd take my break out in front of everyone and read my Bible and I would just pray. So I would just be working and be bored and I would start praying and asking God to move, to give me an opportunity to do something. Like I want to, like we all want to see God move. We all want to see lives like an ax. We want to see miracles. We want to see all those kind of things. And so I think just getting that hunger and I remember God, like I remember praying to God, I was like, God, I'm willing, like, please, like, and even when I wasn't, (laughs) make me willing to be willing (laughs) to go. Um, And I just started praying. And then I think for me, it started changing when I partnered with Holy Spirit in that way, Mm. right? Because when I would just try and like, I wrote Bible verses on coffee cups and got growled at and like, (laughs) um, and that didn't really work out because that was my good idea. But when I started going like, okay, God, like, what do I do? And I see a guy who's and he tells me to make a coffee for him. And then this guy comes in and breaks down because his whole life has fallen apart. And all he literally had just looked into this guy and gone, God, I want a coffee, not a Christian. And then it's like, hey, here's a coffee. Jesus loves you. Like partnering with Holy Spirit is where it's at. Like that's, that's, where, that's where it changes, I think. 
is when mm. it's his idea and you be obedient. So mm. listen, obey. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Elia. And I yeah, think, no. oh, you want to go? <laughs> okay. Um, just like Michael shared before as well, like the power of your personal testimony or mm. like what God is doing in your life right now um, <laughs> and not making that weird or making that hard. Like you're not preaching at these people that you work with, mm. but just genuinely like being honest. I think as Christians, sometimes we like um, dance around or like avoid talking about God at all costs because mm. um, we're like, oh, no, we don't want to look like we're, you know, shoving it down people's throats or, like, doing anything. But then we actually avoid, like, even talking about the fact that, like, we love God and that he's mm. actually, like, a massive part of our lives. Mm. Um, and so I think, like, maybe, like, if we can actually s- just stop doing that and just be really honest, like Michael said, you know, if they ask about your weekend and you had a great time at church, we'll just tell them that. Like, mm. they don't have to do anything with that, but, like, you never know what will come from that. You know, like, there may be questions. There may be an awesome conversation. And you're not, like, they've already asked you, so mm. you're not pushing it at them. You're just like, oh, I did this, and it was really cool. Yeah, so, cool. Yeah. cool. Use your testimony. Use your, use your story. Use your words. Cool. Um, yeah, and intercession as well. So just, like, kind of, thinking through maybe putting three names in your, in your prayer journal or whatever from your workplace and just praying for their salvation, you know, every day or as often as you remember. And, yeah, realizing that intercession is so, so powerful. Like, it really does. It shifts things in the spirit realm and mm. opens people's hearts. Um, God responds to prayer. And, uh, yeah, so that's really, really powerful. I was actually brought to the Lord by someone at work um, in Australia. and. Awesome. Uh, she was very, it was just, I don't know if she'd done it before, she was very masterful at it, and that she, um, you know, I would talk about our weekends, and she we, she would, you know, I went to church on Sunday, and I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Um, and then she just asked me questions over the course of, like, two or three months, uh, just very organically. Um, maybe she was led by the Spirit, because she seemed to ask the right questions, <laughs> and really got me processing what I think about God as well, and and I, there's so much power in the right question, you know, and and mm. And she like she'd be like, oh, what do you think of God? Like, oh, I hate him, you know. And oh, well, well, why? And I was like, I don't know, I just hate him. And you know, like real, I was a hard-hearted Kiwi dude. But eventually, just things, my heart softened. And and little did I know as well that there was so much prayer going on for my salvation at that point in my life. So it was this partnership of prayer and questions and relationship. And and she was just a normal Christian. And it's so important for non for people who don't know Christ to see that we're just normal people, man. Yeah. Like, really, we're, we're so normal. Because it's so funny what I used to think of Christians, like, oh, they never listen to rap music. They never swear. <laughs> um, you know, like, they never have a, a drink or anything like that. Like, it's just, like, they live these perfect lives. And uh, I genuinely thought that, like, Christians never sinned. And, and so I thought I could never attain that because I, I you know, I, I swear a lot. and I don't anymore. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, so I just think there's that, that approach of, prayer, asking some questions, be really just genuine and honest and just be yourself, man. That's, mm. I think that's the most powerful thing. Yeah, cool. Cool. So, so just um, like just bringing it all sort of together. Uh, this, this has been amazing. H- hasn't this been amazing tonight hearing these guys share these stories? So do you guys have any sort of final, before we, before we wrap up tonight, do you have any sort of like final rapid fire encouragements or challenges for these guys stepping out? of their comfort zone, sharing their faith with people? Not super rapid, but just an observation over the last year. Like people are so open to Jesus after COVID. Like so many hearts are just Mm. like still struggling through. Like people are so open and like 
the harvest is plentiful. It's genuinely true. And time and time again in conversations we've had on outreach, people have been thinking about it already the same day, the same week, and they're ready. So like the harvest is plentiful. Just go for it. Like my main thing would just be full send it. Like don't be afraid. See what God wants to do um, as you step out in faith. Cool. Come on. Um, Yeah, and like was mentioned a couple of times, the harvest is plentiful. Like before that is even said, it says that Jesus looks with compassion. And yeah, Michael said, like, people are very open post-COVID. And I remember, like, me and Michael actually went door knocking around one of the rougher areas of Auckland. And we were just asking people, like, hey, it's been a real tough couple of years. We know personally Jesus helped us get through it, but how have you survived, like, the last two years of lockdowns in Auckland? And man, I remember, yeah, we had this one woman just, this mum just crying, weeping in front of us. and, And it was crazy, man. And so I just think it's so important to be motivated by his love and compassion rather than like obligation or guilt or his catalyst told me to um that just doesn't sustain anything so i think yeah just get his heart man get god's heart for the lost i love the song we sung tonight cool um yeah and also just like encourage you guys to see what simple obedience can do like just just actually surrendering everything to god and being like okay god like whatever you want me to do like yes pray and get his heart for the people around you. But like, if he asks you to go and ask someone for prayer, like if you can pray for them or like a word, just, or just to tell them that Jesus loves them, like actually stepping over that line of like, Oh my gosh, this is terrifying. And just doing it and actually just seeing how God uses that. Cause I think, yeah, he does so much more than we actually realize with like our tiny, tiny mustard seed of faith or our like tiny, just like, Oh, okay, God. Um, but yeah, he, he moves on that. And so, yeah, just give him your yes and like go and do those small, small acts of faith. Mm. Yeah. Listen, obey, um, and be, give yourself permission to not be perfect Mm. at it and to practice. Like if you go in being like, okay, I'm going to practice and this might fail completely. That's cool. Cause you win cause you practice. Um, if you're learning to partner with Holy Spirit in this, um, learning to hear his voice, that's fantastic. Practice it. You will get, you'll, you'll start to know if you keep making mistakes and getting it wrong, then you'll learn what he doesn't sound like. Like I once asked someone if they were afraid of turtles. They weren't. Um, like practice, like just, but go, but go. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, guys, this has been Really, really cool having you come and share your stories. Thank you for coming all this way and making Christchurch one of the stops on your tour uh, and for sharing uh, sharing with us and, um, and encouraging us. Can we give these guys a big round of applause?